do you say to anybody out there who still wants to be seen as a good person and a good girl about how risk does or does not change that or how failure does or does not change that or how saying the word shit on a show does or does not change that? Like what's coming up for you about that, Rhonda? Okay, so here's the thing. You don't have to ask the permission to be good because you're already good. You don't have to assume a persona to be good. The most important thing that you have to be is good in yourself. So you turn up the way that you are. You show up authentically because people will respond to two things, confidence and being authentic. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is Rhonda Glynn, aka Rhonda the Disruptor. Now, Rhonda first leapt into entrepreneurship at age 40 with a certificate course and then degree after degree. Now she almost has four. Now, along the way, Rhonda realized that entrepreneurship was the path not only for creating opportunity for herself, but also for others who had not yet had a chance for self-actualization. And she's still making opportunities for others to this day. From her home in Trinidad and Tobago, Rhonda runs Zoma Business Solutions, offering proven hands-on strategies and interactive workshops for entrepreneurs. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit. Rhonda the Disruptor, all the way from Trinidad and Tobago. Welcome to my show. Thank you for being here. What on earth do you think small business owners, specifically small business women, need to know today? Hi, love. It has been. Hi. (laughs) It has been a while that I've been online. So I thank you for the kind invite. I think that we'll have a really good time this evening. Now, so let's jump straight into it. The things that small business, especially female-run businesses, need to know is that business is neither male nor female. It's just business. So that's the first, first thing that needs to be out there. Because why I say that is when it comes to things like pricing, um, competitive analysis, using data, knowing what you want, being unafraid to take a chance on yourself, and most importantly, learning how to fail and how to fail fast. We've never been taught that as women. We've never been taught how to get into it, get our clothes dirty, get our hair messed up, get busy, get get into the fight of things, because that's not what good little girls did. That's what your brothers did. That's what guys did. We never Keep your lived. dress clean, sit on the sideline, wait That's your turn. That's especially, especially, to. especially, you have just hit a very important point, and I want you to revisit it. Wait your turn. Wait your turn, yeah. Yeah, wait your turn is the, is the piece of bullshit that we've been taught 
for three quarter of our lives. And then, mm -hmm. and we have never, that's a mind, that's a mindset that we have yet to grow out of that whole story of wait your turn. Because yeah, because we're still waiting for permission from that's, somebody. That's it. That's it. Exactly. That it that is our turn. Is it. And it is so self-defeating because the worst thing is to look back at a life that could have been. Yes. And to look back at a life uh, with a lot of regret. That I, at, that at 60, you look back and say, you know what? I wanted to, I had liked soccer. And I thought when I was going to school that I wanted to be like Diego Maradona. Or I wanted to be like some, some fun. I wanted to be like Zico. And what happened is that nobody supported my dream because I didn't see any girls playing football. And all the women around me told me that that's not what good little girls would do. Or they'll say, well, what if you get hurt? And what if you fall down and skin your knees? What knee? if you fall down? Won't that be embarrassing? Exactly. <gasps> and that's... What will people think? Oh, Ooh, no. That's the next one. That is the next one right? right there. That is the next piece of really mind mess that we've been taught. What will people think? So we've been spending our entire life waiting our turn and caring too much about what other people think. Yeah, because, I mean, we're always told when it's not our turn, but I think we're very rarely told when it is our turn. Like the thing we, it, at the point of recording, we just had Thanksgiving here in the States. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always remember from, from big food-based holidays is there's an adult table and there's a kid's table. And as a kid, you're relegated to the kids' table, right? Like, all you sit with all your cousins and your neighbors or whoever's over, but the kids are with the kids. And then as you age, there's this weird pressure of, like, can I sit at the adult table now? Am I allowed to do that? There's a chair there. Can I just walk up? I'm 22 years old. Am I still sitting with these five-year-olds? But it's like, no, you're at the kids' table. Okay, but when am I not? Like, when am I no longer at the kids' table? When do I get that invitation? And there's got to be a point where... You just invite yourself. I'll give you one better than that. And especially as you use Thanksgiving as the example. In Thanksgiving, the women cook, the women serve, and when everybody has been served, then the women sit at the table and eat. So have you ever seen a Thanksgiving where either your mother or your grandmother or your aunt or somebody they would feed the whole tribe of people yeah, and they would be like picking at something or taking a little bit of this, but they would never sit at the table because they were busy cooking and they were busy serving. So Thanksgiving was filled with, Thanksgiving was the status quo. Mm -hmm. So it was never even considered that the man would do the Thanksgiving stuff, but he would be pride of place to carve the ta Thanksgiving turkey. Ask your aunts, ask your grandmothers. Oh, yeah. Ask them if they ever sat down one Thanksgiving and had a complete meal and a complete conversation. Ask no, them. No, absolutely not. And, and yeah. that was their entire lives. Like, uh, I think the only time my Aunt Pauline got to sit and rest during a meal was the memorial meal that we had during her funeral. Like, because I would always have to tell this woman, 
to sit down, to sit down. Like, Aunt Pauline, sit. You've been cooking for three days. Aunt Pauline, come on, to have a good time. And she'd go, nope. She she was raised, and I love part of this. I love, and part of this I still do because I think that there's you know this idea of respect sewn into it that mm-hmm. is also really easy to blur. But you know, mm-hmm. her thing was, I cooked all day. I cooked for other people, and I'm going to serve myself last so that my labor of love is shared out to everybody else. And and I think there's something really well-intentioned and very beautiful and loving in that. But Correct. I think without boundaries Not and only without that. saying, hold on, what about me? Like we get stuck in that point where we always are working, working, working and putting ourselves last. How does that show up in, in your world? And that's a metaphor for life because that is what's, because now women are moving from the serving mindset of putting other people first and now having to be responsible, having to be competitive, having to build a business model where I am going to be first. And that first is something that is so hard, is so hard wired into our systems that we can't see it. We can't see the triggers. I'll give you another example. We go to school. And we and, and this is when I started to notice it, because in my case, I grew up in a house with only men. So I so I didn't have that. Why can't you be a good girl? I remember my mother telling me, why can't you be like your cousins? And I almost burst into tears because it meant that I was I had to come constantly compare myself in order for me to feel good about myself. And that happens a lot with women. And I'll tell you, I'll take it to university. Because at university level, we get all the awards, we graduate at the top of the class, and then we disappear in a hole never to be seen again. Yeah. How, many, how many women have you gone to uni with who you don't know where they are right now? I have a theater degree. So with, with the people that I see, they're either totally making it or totally hidden, right? There's like no in-between. But That's I see that in point. business too, where it's like you're in a Fortune 100 company or you're totally still doing the same thing you were doing 20 years ago because That's you either point. you've launched or you stopped, right? That, that is my point. And that is my point. And this is why, this is why it's important for women to understand. And that's why I chose women more than any other entrepreneurial class as the people that I would focus on, because we have been taught some lessons that we now have a whole series of unlearning to take place. And that is where it becomes very challenging for women, because women, there are so many talented, worthwhile gifts and talents that they have, but they keep overthinking it. They keep waiting for permission. They keep waiting for when is my turn. They keep saying, well, all right, so if I do the right things and I check off all the right boxes, then um, then my reward will come. Yep. Yeah, but business doesn't work like that. Business is about risk. It is about uncertainty. It is about being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. It is about saying, I'm not sure how this thing is going to work out but I'm going to give it a shot and I am going to build on the way down. This is what business is like. And the the, the thing is, is that men know that. Men know that. Men have been conditioned to think like that. Look at men when they play football. It is expected that they would give one another all kinds of 
um, what we call in the Caribbean talk. You would give trash talk. You would probably have a fight might break out. People would be sweaty. Clothes would be dirty. But at the end of the game, the winners and the losers walk off the field still being friends, still understanding that in that race to the finish, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. But that's just the battle of the day. Tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow we're going to start over fresh and I am going to come back at you harder. And eventually we will level off. And then after that, I will win. So it's, yeah. it's like, and, and men understand that. Men understand that, that, that competitive nature of business because they've been trained to be competitive in life. But women who are now going into the marketplace, becoming, con- becoming entrepreneurs, becoming all that they can be, are still being held back with that idea that if I do the right thing, if I serve everybody and leave myself for last, then I will be recognized as a good person. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm a that... good person, right? Yeah. Like, so, so my, if you're new to the show out there, listeners, my whole thing is helping good people sell because good people feel like good people have to sell like bad people because that's the only way to sell, right? But, mm-hmm. but there is this idea of, if I take these risks, if I put themselves out there, if I'm visible, if I ask, if I command value, if I don't hide my brilliance, if I do all these things, am I not being a good girl? And so Uh, what do you say to anybody out there who still wants to be seen as a good person and a good girl about how risk does or does not change that or how failure does or does not change that or how saying the word shit on a show does or does not change that? Like, what's coming up for you about that, Rhonda? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't have to ask for permission to be good because you're already good. You are already good. You don't have to to assume a persona to be good. The most important thing that you have to be is good in yourself. So you turn up the way that you are. You show up authentically. Because people will respond to two things, confidence and being authentic. Those are the, and those are your two selling points. Now, women are way more powerful than they realize. I'll give you a story. If two women are on a bus or on a train and one woman who she doesn't know at all starts, she sees that woman crying for whatever reason. It doesn't matter to the other woman whether she knows the woman or not, whether the woman is older than her or not, whether the woman is of another ethnicity or not, whether whatever. It is our nature to go and find out why is Annie crying and how can I help Annie to stop crying? Maybe she's crying about a boyfriend that she caught in bed with her best friend. I might be able to tell her, shit, don't take on that. That's happened to all of us. You're not the first and you're not going to be the last. Decide what you want to do about the situation and move on. The ability for us to come together and solve a problem using both our higher order thinking and our emotional thinking, 
That is our, that's our ace in the game. This is what is going to make women become top-notch entrepreneurs because we don't only speak to the quantitative part of your head. We speak to the qualitative part of yourself. So we are solving problems because that's what we all do as entrepreneurs. We are problem solvers. We have to solve a problem. How is somebody going to feel after they wear this shoe or that funky glasses that you're wearing or that head that how are you going to feel when you cut your hair? Because how are you going to feel empowered and amazing and become the best version of yourself? This is what we do. We do that all the time. So if we can transition that into our business model and our business offerings, then without being sexist, the men don't stand a chance. They don't. They don't. Because we could speak to solving the problem and we could also speak to soothing the pain that brought brought about the problem in the first place. I think it's such a beautiful and delicate dance. And, and, you know, like this is also true of, you know, I have a lot of masculine energy and I have a lot of male friends that have a lot of feminine energy and it's always a balance. And and I don't want to disregard that. But I think, you know, it's 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 so interesting when we look at what is expected of us and and to say, okay, I am confident in this role. I am merging these energies in myself because on the flip side, a lot of women get too stuck in the emotion and then they don't actually take the risk or they don't actually show up with the confidence or the authenticity because they get stuck in the emotions. Or, you Mm -hmm. know, in a lot of my clients' case, they don't ask for the sale because they feel so emotionally connected to the person they're asking. They don't want to manipulate them. They don't want to take advantage, but it's finding that blend, right? It's finding that balance of, I'm going to feel this situation deeply. I'm going to solve this problem with passion, but also I'm going to solve this problem with grit and tenacity. And I'm going to put a price tag on it. And then I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to show up tomorrow and I'm going to fight harder, right? So what do you think, is is there a secret key to finding that balance between the masculine and the feminine? Or is there a secret key to bolstering your confidence when it comes time to take a risk? We have never been taught how to take risks. So the most important thing as business coaches, as um, entrepreneurs, as people who are motivating other people, one of the most important things we have to start to do is give people permission to be themselves. So where if you ask anybody, whether it's male or female, If there were no barriers, the barriers of people's thoughts, the barriers of money, the barriers of whatever, if there were no barriers, how would you turn up? How would you show up? They immediately know, even when they don't tell you, they immediately know Annie. So we have to help them to turn up as that person because this is where the unlearning takes place. So in my case, when I meet with clients, one of the things I like to tell them is, where do you see yourself five years from now? When I started to ask people that, whether they were in business or not, people would stop dead in their tracks because they're in the business of being in the business, working in the business, but not working on the business. So the first thing that happens when you ask them is that they freeze because they really haven't thought about it. 
So what we ha- what we do is reverse engineer. So where do you see yourself five years from now? Build that picture, build it. Build it as big and as large as possible. Do not say but, but maybe. But I don't think that's going to happen. No, because inside of you, there is a five-year-old little girl who didn't get her chance, who is dying to come up to the surface. We are going to, our job is to help that five-year-old come up to the surface. And that five-year-old is going to be the five-year-old who's going to take over the world. Go down inside of you and pull her out because she never dies. She remains inside of you all the days of your life. Tell me if you don't like cartoons and and, um, and cornflakes on a Saturday morning still. Oh, always. Yes, you do. Of course I do. I also sleep with a teddy bear and I'm 36 years old and just announced that on a podcast. Like, I love my childlike comforts, but I also let my childlike self out a lot. And she shows up a lot. In my business, she shows up on the show. Exactly. This show is very 90s inspired. That's because I was like a six-year-old in the 90s who just wanted a caboodle and Lisa Frank stickers. And now look at my art, right? I'm letting that out. So that's it. I love, 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 love that you're talking about this boldness and this bigness and this playfulness in the face of risk because you are coming to the table today with this absolutely perfect example of all of that combined. So when you think boldness, when you think bigness, when you think childlike energy and fierce femininity and risk, who comes to mind in pop culture, Rhonda? Well, in my case, it would be Megan Thee Stallion. Yes! All right, tell me, if people don't know, if they're new, if they've, been, the if, they've been living, if they've been living under a rock. Yes, if they've been living under a rock or um, words for female genitalia scare them. Uh, <laughs> what? Tell me about Megan Thee Stallion. Tell me about what uh, her deal is and, and, and why she is such a perfect example of this. Because Megan, has, Megan is the five-year-old who is fully grown up. She didn't have to hide. She didn't have to become any. She is who we wanted to be. There was always the little, there was always the bad bitch in school who we were secretly afraid of, but so wanted to be like. In in private school, she would be the one who would take her uniform and hem the skirt up and the nuns would be losing their mind. She would be the one who would, um, fight with the guys. She always had the um, the comeback that would shade a guy within an inch of his life. She was the girl who walked into the common room and everybody would stop doing what they would they they were doing. She would command this the, every space that she entered. That was the girl that we most admired in school. Some of us were very much afraid of her because some of those girls were bullies. They would eat your lunch. And they would laugh at you. But that that was the girl that we most wanted. That was our Shiro. That was our Shiro. Because she was living out loud because she was yes. doing it, right? And, yes. and that's very much how Megan burst on the music scene. She did Correct. not tiptoe in. Not she, that it was an overnight success situation because overnight success is kind of a myth, right? You're always yeah. doing background work. But she did not take her time once she found her light. She leaned on into it. And not only that, she turned up as her. I'm quite certain that there were people who would have told her 
that she could be probably an R&B person. Because if you think about female rappers, not since Little Kim has there been another female rapper that is as out there as Megan. Because if you think about it, I remember, because I'm a child of rap, I remember when El Nana came out. And remember, <laughs> remember, remember the album cover? Yes. Think about that. Remember how the album cover had to be covered in brown paper because it couldn't, it couldn't be in Best Buy and it couldn't be in Walgreens. Remember that? If you do the search, you will of see that course. big controversy because she was squatting and she had a hand on her genitalia. She had a, and this was something that nobody had ever thought about. No, there is a deeper conversation inside of that image that a lot of women, that's a whole different conversation altogether with women being comfortable, being sexual creatures. That is a whole different conversation. But think about how amazing it was that Kim had the chutzpah to do that picture as her, as her album cover and think about that time and think about now, you could almost draw a straight line from Little Kim all the way to Megan Thee Stallion. And Megan, Megan, and as I said before, maybe, maybe Little Kim was ahead of her time and she was punished because she was, there were a lot of things that happened in her life because she was ahead of her time. Because we weren't, we weren't willing to see women as bold and sexual in every sense of their lives. Yeah. And now we are seeing it in 2020 and Megan is like the best thing since sliced bread. But if you look back, <laughs> it's, it's literally a straight line. It is literally a straight line. And it tells us also how we have evolved and how we need to evolve even more so. One of your big areas of focus is on this idea of disruption, right? To get in there and change the mold and, and to burn the new path. But even if you're doing that, you're disrupting something established. You're still following in the footsteps of someone else. And so I think that's also a fun thing to look at. And an important thing to look at is whose coattails am I writing in a good way? right? Whose legacy am I building on? Because I don't have to reinvent that wheel. That wheel is already there. Megan didn't have to say, hey, mm -hmm. I can be a liberated sexual woman. That ship had already sailed, right? By the pioneers yeah, that before her. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and also I think, you know, you made this really fascinating point that I hadn't actually thought about um, until this, that there is a really huge parallel between women's sexual liberation and women's empowerment through entrepreneurship in that it's that same thing of sit on the sideline, don't talk about it. And, and for me, what came up when we were talking about that changing genres a bit was Madonna, right? Mm -hmm. Madonna took the virgin whore complex and spun it on its head and said, I'm going to wear a cone bra and I'm going to do all this crazy stuff and mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about sex and how I want it and I'm going to sing songs about physical pleasure and I'm not going to apologize for it. And and people went, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, until they didn't and until it became normal and until, until Madonna, until Missy, until Lil' Kim, until all these women stood out and said, 
I can be a good woman and a sexual one at the same time. And I think Megan is now standing up and saying like, and I can do that. And, and not be only totally that. sexually liberated and beyond, right? And, so, and, and not only that, that it is, it is part of who you are. You are, yeah. you are a totally 360, multidimensional human being. So it's yes. all right. It's all right for you to like some things, and it's all right for you not to like some things. It's all right for you not to like to cook. It's yeah. all right for you not to be um, Susie homemaker. It's all right for you to want a career. It's all right for you to be a homemaker. It's all right for you to have kids. It's all right for you not to have kids. These are the labels that 2020 is. I I tell people 2020 is the year when we have to revisit everything. So as more more and more women are slowly coming to realize and... um, realizing that doing all the right things, checking all the boxes is going to get me a cubicle in a Fortune 500 company where I'll be training a man to to become the CEO of that company and I'm never going to get out of that hole. So a lot of women are throwing the ladder, the rope ladder out of the hole and attempting to climb out. Yep. Because that is... And attempting to climb out and, and, you know... This was true of my career and in many iterations. And, you know, it's still something that I have to balance, which is you know, it is my job to help other people grow their dreams. And I mm-hmm. love that job. Mm-hmm. But at some point I had to ask, when am I going to start growing mine? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I can do both. I can mm-hmm. do both simultaneously. I can use my dream to grow other dreams. But what I realized when I was really stagnating in my business a few years ago, is that it was still completely focused on everybody else and what I could do for everybody else. And it didn't have any guiding star or direction because I wasn't letting it have one. I wasn't saying, this is what I want. This is who I am. I was only saying, this is how I can help you. Not only that, you were still waiting for your turn. You don't, yes! If you think about that, Annie, that thought of waiting for your turn is so hardwired inside of us. It is the reason why we hold ourselves back. I'll give you a little backstory about me. I went back to school when I was 40 years old. I had left school without a full college certificate. I had four O-levels, which in the English um, method of education is not a full certificate. So it's almost like if I went, to co- I went to high school, but I wasn't fully qualified. And I remember feeling as if I would never get the opportunity to do the things that I most wanted to do. And I felt hampered by the fact that my education was unfinished. And then I decided one day, and, and the universe has a way that it will make you as uncomfortable as possible until you do what you need to do. <laughs> and something oh, happened. Yeah, yeah, you are going yeah, you're going to get very, it, it's going to make you uncomfortable. It is going to make you uncomfortable. And I decided that I was going to go back to school. And I remember telling someone, I said, you know what? I don't care if I'm going to learn how to make cookies. 
I am going back to school and I'm going to start and I don't know how it's going to end up. And I was working at the time and still working. I was working shift. So I was working like um, three shifts, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., 2 p.m. to 10 p.m., 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. And I was working in the airport. And I went back to school and I, for nine years, nine years, I had no social life. I used to go to school and go to work or go to work and go to school. And I did that for nine years. And within that nine-year period, I went from a from four O-levels to an associate degree, to a bachelor's degree, to a master's degree, all the while working and going to school. So um, you have to want something. And then I took a year off, and then I started my doctorate. So I'm going to finish my doctorate in 2021 because I finished yes. all. I finished all the taught part of it. So it's just like my first, my second, my third defense. And I started with four O levels, but I knew that if I didn't take ownership for the future that I wanted, then it would never be my turn. I would have been 60 with four O levels and a whole lot of a whole lot of potential that was not realized. So at some point in time, you have to say, you know what? I don't know how this shit is going to happen. Because when I went back to school, I wasn't sure where I was going to get the money. But I was going to start. And I started and I've been at it. The thing about it is that a lot of people talk themselves out of their own destiny because we keep waiting for our turn. Your turn is when you take it. That's your turn. Your turn it's is when you when take you it. You take Ooh. it. Your turn is when you take it. Because your that turn is, is so all, powerful. Yeah, because your turn is always there. You know? The universe is always offering you a chance. You, know? you are the one who's not taking a chance on yourself. And yeah, you your turn is always there. You don't need you don't need permission. You don't need acceptance. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything to take your turn. Your turn is there. It's on a plate right next to you, and you have the choice of taking it or ignoring it. But time, time is the is the key. Time is the real, real thing. Because I tell women, I tell women that we've been read in a society that tells us that outward everything is important. I, I, will, I will challenge that because I'll tell you that the most important asset that a woman has is her time. That is the most important asset that she has. Not her boobs, not her pretty face, her beautiful eyes, her long, luxurious hair, not how big her butt is, not how good she is in bed or whatever. Her time. And when you look at it, a lot of women's lives, their time has been squandered in useless pursuits and useless men and useless relationships and toxic family members and people who don't believe in you and you not believing in you because you keep waiting for your turn. Shit, your turn is there. If you don't take it, it doesn't mean that it's, it's not there and you do not have, you can take your turn at any point in time. And you can choose not to take your turn. But if you choose not to take your turn, there is no get out of jail card. You are responsible 
for what you do and what you fail to do. So if you want to be in business, then you have to know that part of showing up as yourself is doing that deep work to unearth who you are because you can't sell what you do not believe. I don't care what you're selling. You could be selling eyelashes or you could be selling shoes. You could be selling houses or you could be selling books. If you do not believe that what you have in your hand has the potential to transform not only you, but to transform other people, then you don't have anything to sell. And your clients know that you don't have anything to sell. So they don't believe you no matter what you write, no matter what you say, no matter what it is. Because you don't believe it, they don't believe it. But if you believe it, if you believe that I don't have everything right, but you know what? I think I'm a really, really good girl. I'm a badass woman. And I'm going to bring that to the table. Then price and everything else doesn't become an issue anymore, Annie. Annie, because here's what's happening. You can price however you choose to price. And the people who know your value will pay it. And the people who don't know your value, they are not your people. Let them, yes. go, let them go to the bottom of the bargain barrel and pull yeah. out whatever they could and make that work for them. Right. But if you want to transform people, you have to put yourself in places and spaces where there are people who are willing to be transformed. I have one more question for you today, and I cannot wait to ask you this. Uh, and it's all about that idea of putting yourself out there and being the expert and selling, for goodness sake, like being viable, having something that you can say, yes, this is how I help you. So you and I, in addition to working with one-on-one, uh, with clients one-on-one, we also both sell programs and workshops. If Megan was going to create an online course, what course would Megan make? What would the topic be? How to be badass in 60 days or less. How to be badass in 60 days or less. And would that be a mid-ticket, a low-ticket, or a high-ticket program? It might be a tiered program. <laughs> it might very well be a because badass ain't for everybody. That's true. So it may be badass junior Badass Intermediate and Badass Advanced. And there would be qualifying stages at every level. So before you go to, yeah, before you go to Intermediate, there would be a qualifying exam. You would have to do both a verbal and a written. That tells me that what I am saying to you is making sense to you. Megan, if you're listening, I did not give her time to prep that answer. If you're listening, you need to get in touch with Rhonda. She has a whole program and revenue stream mapped out for you already. But you know what? You, Rhonda, are badass supreme. You don't even need her course. When people (laughs) out there are listening to this and they're like, yes, I need you in my life. What's the best way for people to start a conversation with you. Okay, so you can reach me on Instagram. And by the way, I'm going back into workshops early next year. Right now, I'm doing a workbook. It's almost finished. It's being beta tested now. So it's going to be like the lead for my workshops going into next year. And one of the workshops that I'm doing very early in January is to give entrepreneurs a chance to live. Because... And it's let's let's live. Let's get let's let's make time to live because it takes you out of working in your business 
and working on your business because this is what is going to be important going forward. Because remember 2020 and 2021 will, will continue in the same vein where everything will, is moving around. Everything is in transition. So you can't continue to have any kind of growth if you're working in your business and not on your business. And how does that happen? By doing my course, by doing the work. And as we discussed today, doing the internal work. Because if nothing how how um how do we how does the old saying go? If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody ain't happy. Nobody happy. So yeah. then, so then, mama need to do the work. And how you're gonna do the work is what is gonna tell you what is your best gift that you're bringing to the surface. For instance, who are you selling to? If you're selling to everybody, then you're selling to nobody. Exactly. Bus- business is no longer transactional. It's not a simple exchange of goods for services. It is about problem solving. It is easier to have 10 loyal customers who will bring 10 other loyal customers than attempt to look for 10 fresh customers. That the And nail techs teach you that. I'm a big nail girl. The first set of business is not in the first time you do a fill. It is because every two, three weeks, water is going to wash away the fill and you're going back for a refill. So this is what your business is supposed to be like. They are coming back to you ever so often for that refill. And that is where the relationship, the love. Annie, how are you going? How can I help? How can I serve? You need to know what is happening in your client's life, how much money they have this Christmas, um, how much, what are they looking forward to in the new year? What are the shifts that are going to have to take place in their mindset? How many children are going to go back to school or not? How much remote life are we going to be doing? So you are going to have to be there for all of it. And you can't be there for all of it if you do not take the time to figure out who you're selling to, what are their pain points, how can you solve those pain points, and actually starting to use data for the first time. So start to brainstorm, start to do starbursting. Start to have an idea and figure out how is this idea going to answer the five W's. This is what the workshop in 2021 is going to look like. We're going at it full tilt because there are, if we're using Megan as our lodestar, then we are saying we need to be out there bold and bad and say to women that this is where you are headed. Come give me your hand. And let me help you go there. Ugh. And that's I it. cannot wait to have you back on the show. We have so many things that we could talk about. But for right now, thank you so much, Rhonda the Disruptor, for being You're on my show. Very, very welcome. For dropping all of this gorgeous knowledge on us. Listeners, I'll be back in just a minute with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. Since we recorded this episode a few months ago, I have been pretty darn obsessed with Rhonda's assertion that the most important thing a woman has is her time. Sitting at my desk day after day, week after week, it's easy to get carried away by my to-do list, blink, and wake up in a whole new quarter. Add the self-sabotage all-stars of procrastination and perfectionism into the mix, that's even more time gone. Now, 
I'd love to tell you that since the episode, I have cracked the code and become a productivity wizard who never wastes a moment. That would be a big fat lie. But since we've recorded this, I have been much, much more mindful of how I structure my days, and it has paid off. My work days are still longer than I might like, but I finish them with more done and with energy to spare for things, you know, other than my job. That alone is a pretty major accomplishment in my book. Your homework this week is to meticulously track everything you do during your work week on your calendar. Stared at a blank screen for 15 minutes attempting to blog? Write writer's block 15 minutes on your calendar. Stop mid-project to help kids with a homeschooling crisis? Put parenting 30 minutes on your calendar. Like a serenity prayer of productivity, some time sucks are beyond our control and we need to learn to accept them. But by taking a super fine, detailed look at where your time goes, it's the critical first step toward reclaiming the precious minutes you can control and using them more intentionally with great enthusiasm. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www.anniepruggles.com slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me. 